Well, we welcome you on this Sunday, where again we remember the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. We'll be in Matthew chapter 21, if you have your Bibles. I'm sorry I don't have anything on the screen for you. No fancy slides today, just the old-fashioned page turning in your scriptures. So, Matthew 21, we'll read verses 1 through 11. Uh, And today, of course, is a day that many in the world refer to as Palm Sunday. I remember fondly as a little boy, I went to a little Methodist church in Bargaintown, New Jersey, and every Palm Sunday, I remember being handed, when I walked through the door, a palm branch. I thought it was the neatest thing, and I'd wave that around, of course, and probably fight with my friends with it. And then they would explain the significance of it, uh, and they would tell the story of how Jesus, the humble prophet from Nazarene, found a donkey and rode it into Jerusalem. And the the disciples sang his praises. It was a fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. They sang Psalm 118. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the son of David. And so we see it fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And... um, So we'll read together in Matthew uh, 21. Uh, Now, unfortunately, I don't have a a palm branch to give to you today. Maybe we can do that next year. I think that'd be fun. Um, But I do have something else to offer to you. Uh, I offer to you an opportunity. Now, it's an investment opportunity, and I'm not talking about Bitcoin or anything like that. Um, But it is an investment opportunity that you really shouldn't pass up. And we'll read about how the Lord invested and how others invested and how we can invest today in the Lord Jesus Christ and in others. Let's read together in Matthew 21 and we'll pray. The Bible says, Matthew 21, 1, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives, they then sent Jesus to disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. I've always found this an interesting narrative here. Can you imagine if some two guys showed up at your house, opened your car door, maybe if you keep the keys in there, I don't know, started up and started driving away. Hey, whoa, whoa, where are you going? And they said, oh, the master has need. Oh, well, in that case, okay. I always just thought, found that fascinating. Um, I think Jesus was a well-known character. Uh, people had heard about the, 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 you know, the, the miracles and such, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Um, and so when they heard that the Lord Jesus needed him, or needed the, uh, the donkey there and her colt, they said, sure, go ahead. I always thought that was a neat story. Verse 4, all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt of the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees, and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And we, when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? 
I appreciate Brother Lloyd's uh, photos this morning. Give us kind of a, a visual. Can you imagine the sight? Here's this crowd in the distance. If you're in Jerusalem and you hear this song being sung and people waving branches and putting their clothes down and who's that? What's he riding? Oh, it looks like a, a man on a, on a donkey. And, and of course, the crowd in Jerusalem kind of got stirred. What's this all about? And I'm curious if the song they sang, Psalm 118, I think it's verse 26, if it was a well-known tune in the day. You know, the Psalms were meant to be sung, and we do that today, don't we? And I wonder if in Sunday school, the children would have learned this particular song. Maybe it was as familiar as, Jesus loves me, this I know. And they heard it in the distance as, what is this? What's this? Why is everyone singing? And they see this tumult, and they they get caught up and the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this passage of scripture in which we see our humble Savior riding on a donkey, bringing peace to Jerusalem, and being praised as he should be. And Lord, sadly, how just a few days later he'd be dragged before a tribunal and tried and beaten and cruelly crucified for us. Thank you that he willingly went. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, dear Father, that he was risen from the dead. He is risen. He is alive today and can save those who call upon him because of the promise that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you that it is not any work of our own. Thank you that when we come poor in spirit, recognizing our destitute condition, we call on the Lord Jesus Christ that he is alive and he can save. Lord, I pray that you would do a work today that I can't do, that you'd use me, and Lord, that you'd be glorified. Bless this church, Lord. Teach us about investing in Jesus, in the eternal. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So recently, um, and you'd know this if you spend any time with me, but I've been interested in learning about investments, right? <laughs> and uh, there's things out there like uh, cryptocurrencies and stocks and even uh, digital art that you can buy. Blows my mind. I don't get it. But hey, uh, it's, it's very interesting and apparently there's money to be made, potentially. But there's also great risk involved. You can lose money. Uh, you can, there's the risk of losing sleep as maybe you watch the ticker go up and down because you're losing money. <laughs> Uh, you might lose time with family because you're distracted by it. And these are all dangers, of course, that we need to be aware of. Um, but also, we need to be careful we're not losing blessings and uh, uh, God's, God's hand on us because of our greed, right? Now, these are things that are not inherent necessarily in the stock market. I'm not saying all that uh, to say, don't invest, it's evil. I'm not saying that. The reason I'm bringing up investing today is to give you an illustration of what I think happened in this passage today. I think we see some examples of investments. Some people made investments that day. Some of those investments were risky and some lost. However, others gained immeasurable and eternal riches during that week as they invested in the right place. Now, if you know anything about the exchange, you know that the most rewarding investments are made 
in some type of stock or coin, whatever, when that, that particular asset is very small, you make the investment, and then what happens? It grows, and you get rewarded, hopefully, uh, and sometimes it grows exponentially, and the investor becomes quite rich. But that's not the case necessarily with the rookie investor, right? Uh, a guy like myself, maybe. What the rookie does is uh, he doesn't always catch it when it's very small. He sees the, the stock rising and he gets excited and he says, ooh, it's going somewhere. And so what does he do? He throws some money at it, gets his feet wet. And maybe he even makes a little money. And then uh, he, he sees that, hey, it's made me some money. So what does he do? He throws more money into it, thinking, oh, this, the, the sky is the limit. I'm going to make a ton of money. I'm going to retire early and buy that yacht I've always wanted, etc. Not knowing that that stock is actually at its peak. And very soon, it's going to take a nosedive at breakneck speed. <laughs> and that rookie investor watches as his money continues to lose value, or investment and continues to lose value. But he encourages himself and he says, it's okay, it's just a dip. I'll buy more. I'll hold on, it'll come back, and a week or an hour turns into a day, a day turns into a week, and in a, in a fit of panic and despair, he sells so that he doesn't lose anymore. And then 24 hours later, up it goes, and he misses the boat. That's what the rookie investor does. And that rookie investor may or may not be yours truly, uh, but the stock market, the exchange, can teach us a lot about human nature. The Bible says that every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed in James chapter 1. And again, it, the, the stock market and all that is not inherently evil, but unfortunately in the heart of man there's sin. And we've been corrupted by sin. And sadly, what mankind often does is constantly we chase those things that we think are going to make us happy. And we spend our money and our time and our effort and we give up family time and time with the Lord and such to invest in this pursuit and we finally are successful. And when we have it, we find that we just don't have the time to enjoy it or it's too expensive to maintain. And it really didn't satisfy the way that we thought. And we're like dogs who run in circles chasing our tails until finally we die. And we've left that kind of example where the next generation looks on and says, boy, that looked fun. I'm going to do that. And so they chase their tails and uh, maybe they're successful, maybe they're not. And even in our failures, they look on and say, oh, well, he failed, but I won't because he was chasing his tail left to right. I'm going to chase it right to left. I've got a strategy and then you watch, I'm going to catch that tail. And again, I'm not saying investing is bad. Quite the opposite, actually, because we all invest in some way, shape, or form. It may not be on the exchange, but we do invest our time and our energy. We invest in people. We invest in organizations or plans. We all invest. And what I'm saying is that we must be sure that the something that we invest in or the someone we invest in is worthwhile that it's a wise investment, that we mitigate the risk, that it has value. Jesus, in fact, invested. So let's take a look at our passage back in Matthew chapter 
21, it says that, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage, um, this was a little hamlet uh, about a half mile or so from Bethany. And you remember Bethany on the Mount of Olives there is where Jesus invested in um, two sisters and a brother, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. It was interesting that the Pharisees wanted to put Lazarus to death. <laughs> Here Jesus raises him from the dead. Let's kill him. I mean, unbelievable how that they were involved in, in interested in themselves and their own reputation rather in the things that are eternal. So we find our Savior here in this little hamlet of Bethphage and we find that it's common practice for Jesus to invest in the little things, the little places, the little people. Bethphage would not have been a large industrious city. Um, it means house of figs or house of ripened figs and Perhaps it was a place where some poor farmers um, gathered figs and we find that Jesus would find this humble beast there. Perhaps this beast was used, they would saddle them with some baskets and their figs maybe would go in the baskets and maybe the poor farmer's son would lead that animal into Jerusalem's market uh, every day and try to make a few dollars to put food on the table to help out mom and dad. And so we see that Jesus is interested in this little place called Bethphage. The little places. He was, he was born in the city of Bethlehem, another small place. He was raised in Nazareth, um, not a pra- place of great reputation. Um, we see that Jesus walked through Samaria when others would, what, have gone around because he knew that there was someone worth investing in. In Samaria and we see that Jesus continues to invest in the small things because he's a wise investor he knows that hey this individual is broken and they're poor in spirit and they're repentant and they're teachable and they have room to grow and so thank God he invests in the little things we talked about Bethany We talked about him teaching Mary and Martha how to invest in the right things. You remember that Martha was troubled about serving and and upset with her sister Mary. And Mary was doing what? Sitting at the feet of Jesus learning. And and Jesus taught her, said, Martha, Martha, you're cumbered about much, much serving. Mary has chosen that good part and it won't be taken away from her. She's invested in the right thing. And then as he is there, he says to his disciples, go into the village, verse 2, over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. This, this humble beast Jesus is interested in. Now, if you wanted to announce yourself as king, you would probably not have chosen a little donkey or the foal of a donkey, right? Um, I think of the war horse, you know. Uh, it's powerful, this steed, right? I can see now in my mind's eye, you know, you're standing in a dark woods and the steam is coming up off of the ground and there at the crest of a hill, you see this silhouette and this, this large uh, horse appears and rears up, you know, and neighs and, and snorts, right? This this powerful animal that's the kind of animal that you want to ride into battle and you can picture maybe 
uh, as the infantry stands with their swords and spears and the cavalry comes over the hill and you hear this thunderous wall coming at you and these horses breathing out in fury. I mean, it would strike fear into the opposing army. Now, I don't think it would have the same effect if you heard, uh, you know, the donkey noise, right? Um, coming down the uh, hee-haw, you know, the, it wouldn't quite have the same effect, would it, as these, these war horses. So if you were to, assist, to, to want to announce that I am the king, I'm the Messiah, the anointed one who's come to save you, Jerusalem, you and I would probably have chosen a different animal, but Jesus invests in the small things. And he chooses this little donkey. And he did it for several reasons. It was to announce peace. Now, kings did ride war horses, um, and they would probably have a horse that was taller, bigger, stronger than the rest, maybe outfitted with armor and dazzling colors and jewels to signify that this was a man of importance. However, kings did ride donkeys. And they would ride the donkey if the message they wanted to send was that I come in peace. I'm not coming to conquer. I'm coming offering peace. It's a time of peace and I'm riding this humble animal. And the Bible tells us that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And Jesus was coming into Jerusalem riding a donkey announcing that I have come not to condemn the world but he brought peace and reconciliation with their maker, their God. He also chose the donkey because it was to fulfill prophecy. And he did this on purpose. You know, it's funny when you look at Hollywood and their portrayal of Jesus, right? They typically will find some skinny European guy with a beard and long hair and he's very stoic. You know, he never cracks a smile, no emotion. And he's kind of wimpy, right? Is that the Jesus we see here today? We see that he, um, he's, what he's doing is he's, he's borrowing Zechariah 9 and he's saying, I am fulfilling this on purpose today. It says that the son of David, the king, is going to ride in the anointed one and that's me and I'm going to go choose a donkey and ride in just as the passage say, says. That is a bold claim. And it upset the Pharisees. They knew what he was doing. He was, it, it, it always amazes me, doesn't it, you, when the critics will say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. He didn't? I thought that was the reason he was crucified, because of his blasphemy, that he was saying, I and the Father am one. Before Abraham was, I am. And I'm riding on a donkey because I'm, I'm fulfilling Zechariah 9. What did he say in the, in the synagogue? He read from the scroll and he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. He's saying, I am the Messiah. I am the anointed one. I'm your king. I'm your creator. I'm your savior. He also, he, he chose the donkey to, to declare his deity and his anointing. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. He rides on the foal of an ass. The Pharisees didn't care for that much, did they? We'll see that um, in Luke's account that the Pharisees told Jesus, hey, this is not right. This crowd praising you, you riding on a donkey, this is blasphemy. Jesus, tell your disciples to be quiet. And what did he say? He made another claim. He said, look, if these don't cry out and sing my praises, creation will. 
He's saying that, that I have power over creation. I made all this. And even, even the rocks know who I am. And you Pharisees were blinded. The Pharisees would have belonged to a society that uh, the, the people of Israel would look at and say, these are, these are highly valued men. They had influence, didn't they? The, the Pharisees were the ones speaking to the Roman government as they sought to crucify Jesus. They were asking favors. They were securing guards, etc. They had influence in their day. I can imagine that as the Pharisees walked down the streets of the market, there were those in the market, oh, good morning, sir. Good morning, teacher. Here's a fig. Here's, here's a fruit. Here's a pomegranate. You know, showering gifts on them. Would you pray for me and my family today? Oh, so good to see you, sir. These were people who had been, would have been revered, respected, educated, wealthy. Certainly, any investor would think, these are men who are on the rise. These are the men that I want to throw in with. But Jesus recognized uh, that they were simply bloated with themselves. They were inflated with self-righteousness, and the only way, the only direction that they would be headed would be straight down. Um, if you've been following the stock market at all, uh, you, you know GameStop has been the, the, you know, the, the hot topic, right? And there are evaluations that say that the price of GameStop is really kind of false. Now, maybe I'm wrong. I'm no stock genius. But it, I mean, it's all the way up to 300-something dollars a share at, at a couple points. Is it really worth that much or is it just the craze and everybody, oh, I want to make a quick buck and it shoots up. And then it went down to what, $44 or something. I mean, uh, so when you look at the Pharisees, these guys are just self-righteous, bloated. They're inflated. There's no real value in these men. And Jesus recognized that. Jesus was not interested in throwing in or investing in those who are the popular, the powerful, maybe the talented, the influential. He wasn't interested in lining his pocket and buddy-buddy up with those who could do him a favor. He quickly put them in their place and said, no, I won't listen to your criticism. I deserve this praise. And so uh, we see that he wasn't invested in, he wasn't interested in investing with these folks. And then, Matthew 21, verse 12. Look, let's see what happens after uh, the multitude says, hey, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the, the prophet from Galilee. It says in verse 12, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Again, you know, this picture of the Hollywood Jesus who's weak and, and, you know, his hands are soft. And is this the meek and mild Jesus that we see in this, in this picture? No, he goes into the temple and he casts them out. And he, you know, at one point he had made a scourge, a whip, and he beat these guys and said, get out of here, overturn the tables. I mean, you had to be pretty bold and confident to do something like this. And here's Jesus riding in on a donkey, announcing that I am the king, I am the Messiah, I am the one who had been promised. And this is my Father's house, and I am going to purify it and cleanse it and bring peace to Jerusalem. Now some of us, if we had lived in that day, would maybe be like the, pro the, the priests and the Pharisees. 
they looked at this business going on, the money changing, and they said, hey, this is, this is good. Folks come to, you know, make sacrifices and, and they need to exchange their money and buy animals and such. And, and hey, maybe we can take a skim a little off the top and of course we'll use the proceeds for the Lord and His service here in the temple. And maybe that would have been our interest. Jesus was not interested in this kind of investment. He was interested not in lining his pockets or a short-term gain. He was interested in a long-term gain, a long-term investment with his father and in his father's house. And it's interesting that he also, in verse 14, it says this, after these events, it says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Jesus was interested in investing in the small and the broken things. And the children came to him, and he took him, them up in his arms. The blind came to him. What could the blind offer Jesus? Not much. What could the lame offer Jesus? What could the prostitute offer Jesus? Not much. But he invested in them because he saw that they were broken and small. And he saw that when he poured himself into them, there was room for growth. Aren't you glad that Jesus invests in the small and broken things? I am. I'm small. My daughter will remind me of that sometimes. She'll say, Daddy, when you grow up like Pastor Barber, and I say, Honey, <laughs> this is about as tall as I'm ever going to get. Uh, so sorry to, sorry to disappoint. But uh, I'm glad that God is interested in using the small things and the broken things. And he looks at the poor in spirit, those who say, Lord, I have nothing to offer, but if you'll take me, would you forgive me? Would you save me? I'm broken, I'm blind, I'm lame, but Lord, you gave your blood for me, and so I'm, I'm coming to you empty, not bloated in self-righteousness like the Pharisees and say, well, God, perhaps you could use this stud. Perhaps you could use my singing voice and, and uh, my talent. And I'm, in, I'm a great order, Lord, Surely you can use me. No, when you come and say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I deserve hell. And you're the Savior, you're the King, you're the Creator. Are you interested in me? I'm here, I'm willing. Now we saw the events um, on the day that he rode triumphantly into Jerusalem and we saw the crowd singing his praises. And by the way, he deserves the praise. He gave everything for us as the song said. He's interested in the small things and he's demonstrated that interest in real asset in his blood. And we see him riding in and the crowd praises him and as he approaches Jerusalem, they hear the singing and they see this man riding on a donkey and surely they knew of the prophecy. And they thought to themselves, who is this? Oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet, the one who raised Lazarus, the one who calmed the sea, the one who heals the blind and the lame and the leper. This is our king. He's going to overthrow Rome. He's going to set up a king here in Jerusalem. He's going to reign and rule and riches will pour in the streets of Jerusalem again and we'll be happy and we'll be satisfied. Things will be great. This is our king. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who sang his praise today was false. But I wonder, as they approached Jerusalem, that the crowd got whipped up in a frenzy. And as they saw that stock rise, they said, Hey, this is exciting. I'm going to throw in. I, yeah, I like this idea of Jesus the king. 
He's going to take over. He's going to rule and reign and, and, def- and remove the Romans and their oppression. But I wonder if some of the folks there in that crowd was also in the crowd just a few days later when he stood before Pontius Pilate and the crowd said what? Crucify him. Crucify him. Because in just a few short days, this same Jesus would be, would be arrested, betrayed, arrested, dragged before a tribunal and, and charged with trumped up charges and condemned and beaten and mocked and eventually crucified. And I wonder if some in the crowd that day when they sang Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, this is our king, if they felt somewhat embarrassed and betrayed when he was arrested and, and he was up there and he was broken and battered and beaten and said, well, well, wait a second, I thought this was our king. Now this stock is in the basement and, and I put in with him and, and, and I've been swindled. Hey, the government arrested him and condemned him to death. Surely he must be a swindler and a scam. How dare he crucify him? I'm embarrassed that I threw in my hat with him. I'm embarrassed that I sang his praises. I'm appalled that he would claim to be the Messiah, the King, the Savior. And yet, here he stands in bonds and beaten. He has no strength. He's weak. I don't want anything to do with him. And so they sold, lest they lose anything more. But folks, it wasn't the time to sell. It was the time to buy. When Jesus was humanly at his lowest, beaten and bleeding, there are those who looked at their crucified king and said, surely this is the son of the living God. And I think that soldier that day that looked on him and said, this is, this is the son of God. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. There's something unique about this man. I'll buy that stock, if you will. I'll place my faith in him. They received um, great reward when just a few days later, He rose again in glory and power in the resurrection, never to dip again. You see, his value is far above any number of Bitcoin or shares in the Dow Jones or NASDAQ. He doesn't have down days. His power and resources are not dependent upon hedge funds or other factors in the exchange. He is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And He came willingly and died and gave His blood for us to invest in us. And humanly, it looked as though He was down and out never to recover. Why did I ever sing His praise? Well, the folks who said, no, 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 I'm going to hold. I think there's something valuable in this man. I think, I think He is who He says He is. I'm going to trust Him with my soul. They saw it rise, never to dip again. And they have eternal and lasting reward. Don't undervalue this humble Nazarene. He's coming again with power and glory. Don't listen to the analysts of this world who say that that Jesus religion is stuff of old. It's old-fashioned. There is no power in the blood. The churches are getting older demographically. They're not reaching the youth. There's no power in the Gospel. The Bible is an outdated book. We need to modernize. We need to move on. There's no, there's no value in Jesus. Don't listen to it. It's the lie of the devil. And maybe we are sometimes guilty of the same thing as the crowd. We're all excited sometimes about Jesus and we're willing to put in our faith and our time and our effort to spend time with Him. 
And when we have a down day, we're quick to sell off Jesus and say, you know, I'm not gaining anything. Maybe I ought to just walk away. But he poured everything into us. He invested in us when we were small and broken and poor because he saw that we had potential when he worked through us. And my question for you is, are you willing to hold on to Jesus? He's coming again. No matter what the world says, he's reigning right now. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And not only when you invest in Christ, when you place your faith in Him, the Bible says this. It says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It, it gives immediate payment. He pays off your debt. He gives you a home in heaven. He, uh, he brings you into the family of God when you simply say, Lord, I'm broken, I'm destitute, I'm empty, and I deserve punishment in hell. There's no work that I could do that could earn your favor. Because Jesus paid it all on the cross. And when we place our faith in Him, we get immediate payment. There's laid up in store for us riches beyond imagine. And not only do we gain salvation at that very moment, but you know that when we put in with Jesus, when we, when we place our faith in Him, and we daily walk with Him, and we daily trust in Him, it pays dividends. Every single day, His mercies are new. Every moment of every day, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 a year, all your life, no matter your dips and, and, and mountains, He is there. He hears and answers prayer. He offers peace. He offers um, a fruitful Christian life, the abundant, overflowing life as we abide in Him. It offers dividends. He paid with His blood to invest in us. And He sees the potential that His followers could achieve if we'll simply go to him and say, Lord, I have nothing to offer, but would you use me? I'm an empty vessel. Lord, I'm willing to invest my time, my effort, my attention into you. Lord, would you use me? And how about those who we esteem low and broken and worthless? Isn't it funny how we often will look at the visitor who comes to the door and say, wow, he's dressed very nicely. He's sharp. He's got a nice car. Maybe he could boost our giving numbers. Uh, maybe he has resources that we could use. Hello, sir, nice to meet you. Come sit here next to me. Come to dinner after, after church. But yet when the broken and the lowly walk into our church, hi, how are you? Good to see you this morning. Here's a chair over here, and we never, we never approach them again. Jesus was interested in, in the lowly and the broken, and thank God he did because I'm one of those. If we're honest with ourselves, we would see ourselves in the light of his glory the coming king, and say, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Lord, thank you for investing in me. And are we willing to hold on to Jesus and experience the daily dividends? And are we willing to invest in those whom we would assume to be lowly, but whom Jesus values highly? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message that teaches us about the investments that the Lord Jesus made. He was not interested in the money that could be made in the temple, by, by taking advantage of those who were there to worship. He was not interested in deception or riches. He was not interested in the clout and the influence of the Pharisees. He was interested in those who would say, this is the Messiah and I will follow him. And Lord, I'm blind and I'm broken and I'm, I'm nobody, I'm lame, but Lord, would you take me and fix me? And I'm willing to put in with you. I'm willing to hold on to you. Lord, thank you for your love, your kindness, 
And Lord, thank you for the healing that you offer through the blood that you shed on the cross. And I pray that we also would be willing to turn around and invest in the lives of those around us to give of ourselves so that they might see Christ and trust in Him and grow into a relationship with Him. And Lord, we pray that as our lives are poured out for You, that as we invest in You and in Your Word and in Your people, that Lord, we would have something to offer You as a reward because You're, you're worthy of it. 